We are currently in this season of Advent. The word Advent means arrival, and this is anticipation of the arrival of Jesus Christ, his first coming, and also his second coming. The scripture reading today during this Advent season comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. Please give your full, undivided attention to the reading of God's holy word. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping soldier in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God. And at this time, would we now give our attention to the preaching of God's word. Good morning, Christ Central. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here at this church. And I am bringing the word of God today via video because I do have this lingering cough uh, from a common cold. Please don't worry. It is not COVID. Uh, there's no known COVID exposures. I've tested negative on multiple occasions, including on PCR tests. Uh, but the leadership and I did decide that uh, in light of my coughing, that it would be probably best to record this sermon on video uh, so that I wouldn't be coughing all over you guys in person. Uh, so please just bear with me uh, as I preach the word through this medium. And if I am coughing a little bit, I ask for your patience. Uh, but yes, our, our sermon today comes from Isaiah chapter 9, his very well-known prophecy about this child. To us, this child is born. And of course, long before the New Testament, uh, Christmas begins or is, is prophesied with this birth announcement. A child who will be born, who will bring light out of darkness, uh, who will make oppression and wars cease. And of course, several thousands of years later, we know that this prophecy was about Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Messiah. And of course, we can't get to the meaning of Christmas without looking at who he is, this child who was born unto us. And to explore that further today, we're going to do something very simple. We're just going to explore and, and, and focus on these four names that we see in Isaiah's prophecy given to this child uh, in verse 6. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're just going to unpack each of those four names today. That's what we're going to do uh, as we begin this Advent season. And so the first name we see in Isaiah's prophecy is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. That, that first word, wonderful, uh, is not just some generic superlative, like great. It's, it's not just some positive word. But it's a word that has the nuance of meaning extraordinary, unusual, uh, something that causes one to marvel because 
It is not what they're used to seeing or hearing. That's what wonderful means. And then counselor, of course, is someone who gives counsel, an advisor, someone who imparts knowledge and wisdom that is trustworthy. And so we see this extraordinary, unusual advisor, this wonderful counselor who is going to give us wisdom that is not of this world, that is not just what, what the rest of the world teaches us. It's not what you're used to hearing, the usual stuff that we always hear. And after all, it makes sense because Isaiah says that this child will bring light into darkness. And that means that in the world's wisdom, we are in darkness. And Jesus must come and bring that light. And the, and the wisdom of this wonderful counselor is so different from the wisdom of the world that perhaps the world might even see it as foolishness. That's what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, Where is the one who is wise? <coughs> Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Basically that what we preach, the wisdom of God is actually viewed as, as folly by the world. Because in the world's wisdom, they couldn't ever find God. And of course, Christmas seems like folly, if you think about it. The Savior of the world would be born in a manger, greeted by lowly shepherds and animals. And the most powerful being in the universe would give up his power, ultimately dying on a cross for sinners, although he himself had no sin. This is the extraordinary wisdom of the wonderful counselor. And of course, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a wisdom that is unlike anything else preached or taught in the world, in the rest of the world. The world's wisdom, whether we're talking about religion or philosophy, it tells you that you need to climb up. You need to climb up to God. You need to climb up to achievement. You need to climb up to self-discovery or climb up to heaven or whatever other form of fulfillment. But Christmas tells us that God came down. He came down to you. He came down for you. And in fact, you can't climb up. We, we're not capable of climbing up to him. And so much of the world's wisdom is about that climbing. It's all about climbing. And whether we're talking about the world's wisdom in Jesus' time or the world's wisdom today in our time, when, when it focuses so much on climbing and proving yourself and proving how righteous you are, proving how acceptable you are, ultimately it can only be fatiguing. The wisdom of the world can only fatigue us ultimately. And more than fatigue us, it can only doom us. It'll put you in that deep darkness that Isaiah talks about in our text. But only the wonderful counselor can actually give you rest. He can actually give you rest for your souls. He gives you grace. We get God coming down and not telling us that we need to climb up. 
that is the true wisdom that comes from this wonderful counselor. So this morning, if you find yourself fatigued by the wisdom of the world, this child was born to you. To us was born this wonderful counselor. The second name we see in Isaiah's prophecy is Mighty God. Mighty God. And sounds pretty straightforward, of course. The word mighty uh, means strength, valor, but especially in battle. This word mighty in the Old Testament is often used of warriors. If you think about King David and his mighty men, his elite warriors, they're literally described as the mighty ones. It's the same word. And we often see this sort of description used to talk about God as well. Such as in Psalm 24, who is this king of glory, the Lord, strong and mighty, mighty in battle, it tells us. <coughs> and Christmas is about the birth of a fighter. Christmas is about the birth of Jesus, who would be that mighty warrior, that hero, that champion who fights for his people. You know, when you think about the story of David and Goliath, uh, this lone warrior, this lone champion, up, up, up against this formidable, scary, overwhelming giant of an opponent, any good preacher will tell you that in that story, you and I are not David. Right? We are not that warrior. That Jesus is David. Jesus is that warrior who stands on our behalf against the giant, against the enemy. At best, you and I are uh, the Israelite warriors on the sidelines who are just so relieved that we don't have to fight Goliath. And who rejoice when we see David slaying Goliath on our behalf. That is Jesus. Jesus is that mighty and fierce warrior who fights for his people. Who fights in their place. And I love that description of Jesus. Uh, I think it's a, it's a very uh, appealing view of Jesus as a strong and mighty warrior. But we also have to recognize Isaiah gives us a different picture in Isaiah chapter 7 when he speaks of, uh, of the child being born. And he says he will also bear the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it's a very intimate term. God is not only, Jesus is not only strong and mighty in battle, but he is also near. He is also intimate. He is also with us. And we get both. We get both. I love telling this story of when I was growing up, one of my best friend's older brothers, he was always very kind to me. He would, you know, pat my head very lovingly whenever he saw me. He would buy me McDonald's ice cream. And I just felt so loved by my friend's older brother. And, and he was a good dude. But as I got older, when I became a teenager, I actually started to hear stories about him. Uh, stories that surprised me. Stories about how he was so feared that he was this, he was notorious for being a good fighter, for being tough and scary. And people were afraid of him. And I remember hearing that and being so pleased 
knowing that this older brother who loves me and, and is so kind to me and who's so gentle with me is so feared and so strong. And I think that's just a blip of, of how it is to know this mighty God who was born for you. To know that we have a, a hero, a champion, who is so strong, but who's also so near and intimate to us. And of course, in the Old Testament, there, it was, there was physical warriors and there were physical wars. But Jesus would come not to be a physical warrior, but a spiritual one. And he would fight for you, not by fighting in an army and overthrowing empires. But Jesus would be that mighty warrior fighting for you by resisting sin and resisting Satan and ultimately dying on a cross. And that's how he fought for us. He died in our place. He stood in our place. He fought in our place. And so this morning, if you find yourself feeling weak and overwhelmed, feeling like I can't fight anymore, I can't do it by myself, would you know that this child was born to you? To us was born this mighty God. The third name that we see in Isaiah's prophecy is Everlasting Father. And it may feel a little strange that uh, Jesus the Son is described as a father. But uh, of course Isaiah is not talking about Trinitarian categories here. But in the ancient Near East, kings would often describe themselves as fathers to the people that they rule over. And it would be a, a, a title that demonstrates them as protectors and preservers and providers for the people that they rule over. But the thing about these kings, of course, is their fatherhood would eventually end once they aren't on the throne anymore. Because even the good kings, the best kings, would eventually die and they wouldn't last. And that's true for kings. And that's true for fathers. Even the best fathers, we still have to say goodbye to them uh, in death. And some fathers, they even leave before they die. Some fathers don't last. And of course, so much can be said about uh, fathers who leave and who don't last and the detrimental impact they have on our society. And uh, that's, we're not going to explore that too much today. But the thing we see in this name of Jesus, Everlasting Father, is that that is certainly not the case with him. That Jesus would be the Father who lasts. His provision and protection and preservation of you is something that will never end. He is supremely faithful. He is perfectly consistent. He is the one that tells us, I will be with you till the end of the age. Jesus tells us no one can snatch you from the Father's hand. So this morning, if you find yourself in fear of being abandoned or being alone, this child was born to you. To us was born this everlasting Father. The last name that we see in Isaiah's prophecy is Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And that word peace uh, in the Hebrew is a familiar term, uh, a term I'm sure you all, many of you know uh, in the Hebrew, and that's shalom. And shalom, just like the word peace in English, 
is packed with meaning. It's a word that means completeness, being whole, contentment, fulfillment. Uh, it's a word that speaks of well-being and even peace when it comes to relationships, peace between two different parties. And so much of the Christmas season, <coughs> so much of the Christmas season is about shalom. At least for a day or for a week or for a month or for the whole season, you get a taste of that shalom. Things feel like celebration. Things feel good and right, at least for a short amount of time. And at least it's supposed to. I think there are some people who, who do feel much shalom during the holidays. And then they wish that every day could be like Christmas. Why can't every day feel like Christmas? That's actually the title of a Elvis Presley song. It's very cheesy, but I do love it. Some people feel that way. They, they have a glimpse of shalom during the holidays and they long for more. And then there are others who have no shalom in the holidays. The holidays is a reminder of how little shalom you have. And it's, it's, it's an unfortunate thing. And whichever camp you fall into during the holidays, Christmas always touches on that theme of longing and fulfillment. The longing that God's people felt, especially in prophecies like these, as they awaited the Messiah to come. They were waiting and longing. And the Christmas hymns that we sing that speak of a weary world pining for its Savior. That theme of longing is inescapable in Christmas. And the Prince of Peace reminds us that ultimately we are all longing. C.S. Lewis, he famously said, if I find myself, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. It's a great quote. Uh, and actually what he says afterwards is very interesting as well. Here's what he's here. He goes on to say this. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, the longing, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings. And on the other hand, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. During Christmas, we are reminded of how much we long, of the satisfaction we desire, but we don't always get. And yes, we should be thankful for this season. 
We should be thankful for even the glimpses of Shalom that we hopefully get. But we're reminded that this isn't all there is. That Christmas points us to something greater. It points us to when the Prince of Peace will bring about the Shalom we are waiting for in fullness. Because He came the first time to die on a cross and to rise again and to begin that redemptive Shalom bringing work of His kingdom. But He will also come again to bring it to completion. So this morning, if you find yourself longing, feeling like something's missing, that, that you want more, this child was born to you, to us was born, this Prince of Peace. I just want to close as we've now explored all four of those names of this child born to us from Isaiah. I just want to close by looking at the last verse of our passage. In fact, the last sentence of the last verse, verse 7, where it says, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. In other words, God is zealous. God is passionate about bringing about this birth of this child. God is passionate about gifting you with this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this prince of peace. He's not doing it robotically. He's not stoic, but he cares a lot. He is invested. He, he's putting all his energy into this, that you would know him, that you would come to know and, and rejoice and celebrate and find rest for your souls in this child born to you. And if you think about it, zealous is all you can really be about this topic. You can either reject it zealously. You could reject this as foolishness and just reject it outright and say, no, this is crazy. Or you can be zealous about it and rejoice about it and exult over it. But news like this cannot just be affirmed, but not exalted. You, you, can't, you can't have those names. You can't even speak those names in your mouth of, of wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Those, those words can't even come from your mouth. You can't think of those names and the meaning of those names without worship, without exaltation, without joy, without zeal, without true rest. Zealous is all you can be about this topic. That's why C.S. Lewis said it. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to this other country where the Prince of Peace reigns. And I must make that the main goal of my life and helping others to do the same. And brothers and sisters, we can only have that kind of zeal when you first see the zeal of the Lord for you. Christmas is about God's zeal to gift you, to give you this child, his son. And you can have that kind of zeal when you look upon this child born to you. When you look upon this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this prince of peace. 
So if you, this morning, if you are feeling fatigued, if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you are feeling abandoned, alone, if you're feeling like you are longing, there's a longing in your soul. The wisdom of this world cannot give you the answer. The wisdom of the world cannot give you that shalom. But for you, this child was born. And God is zealous to give you this child. God is zealous to give you this reason to exalt, this reason to rejoice, this reason to celebrate, this reason to sing and to find rest. I pray that that is true for everyone who is listening in this morning. God bless you. And would you know this, this child born unto you? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you that we are gifted, that Christmas reminds us that we are gifted with this child, with this Savior, with Jesus. And Lord, I pray that wherever we're at this morning, whatever weakness we might be feeling, whatever longing we might be feeling, oh Lord, would we find Christ in the midst of that? Would we find His light in the midst of our darkness. And Lord, I thank you that this is not something that we've acquired through our own zeal. Oh Lord, but you were zealous first. You were zealous to save us, to love us, to know us, to cleanse us, to gift us. Lord, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is all these things to us and more the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. We rest in that today. In Jesus' name, amen.